Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. so much for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on our show, um, Mr. Will Watson. Will Watson's origins stem from Indianapolis, Indiana, and he currently lives and works in Baltimore, Maryland. He received his MFA in painting at the Maryland Institute College of Art in 2018. He is a 2016 to 2018 Leslie King Hammond Graduate Fellowships recipient and has been featured in numerous galleries, including the Curtis Jacobs Gallery in Harlem, New York, the Maryland Institute College of Art and Design, Pepco Edison Place Gallery in Washington, DC, and Hunter Gallery at St. Wood. Hunter Gallery, where was Hunter Gallery at? In Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Will Watson. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I know we tried to work this out uh, a little earlier last year. Something happened. I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So, congratulations on your most recent <laughs> show, Twenty One Piece thank Salute. You. From the picture I saw, it went pretty well. Can you share a little bit about oh what happened this weekend? So yeah, this um, this past weekend, I was fortunate enough to be one of uh, 21 artists selected to be a part of this exhibition uh, um, at the, the Black Wall Street Gallery uh, in Soho, New York. It's a Black-owned gallery. They were honoring the 100 year uh, of remembrance. We can't call it an anniversary or anything celebratory, honestly, because it was devastating. But they're, they're uh, um, acknowledging the 100 year uh, Tulsa massacre with this <laughs> exhibition. Um, <clears throat> small history about Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. There were over 600 plus uh, thriving black businesses schools, everything. Um, it was it was known literally as Black Wall Street. Um, and on this day, uh, 1921, May 31st, and June 1st of 1931 is when um, they labeled them as riots. And I later learned that they labeled them that way, uh, surely, mostly because insurance policies do not cover riots. So that's how they were labeled riots. I learned that uh, just recently. Wow. But the Tulsa massacre is a massacre because um, these people were, these people just showed up and just started burning, killing, um, and destroying uh, literally a, a, a dominant and prominent black community uh, over a hundred years ago. So that show um, was really it was dedicated to that to that. To those, to those ancestors, those individuals who lost their lives on this Memorial Day, um, and to actually, I'm um, really, really highlight Black entrepreneurship. So the show was really, 
really it's um you know if i could you know like just put put it frankly it's, it's a show basically just trying to put people on yeah to make sure that these artists um can begin building building financial success um within within the world that they want to create for themselves you know yeah, what an honor it what an honor it is though to come full circle because you know we are well you guys were basically commemorating you know such a horrific atrocity um in American history that isn't you know necessarily acknowledged uh, on such like a, a public level so to be able to tell that story um and make history telling that story um is pretty profound um I want to know yeah. Why was your piece focus so fitting for the exhibition? <laughs> yeah, I I wish I could answer that question, um, because all of it all of it still truly um, it still 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 seems surreal. Um, mm -hmm. Because you know I I'm just in my studio work necessarily out um, right at this moment. I hadn't or you know not up until recent. I hadn't really been focused on like trying to figure out where where i'm gonna show and you know um or, or any of those things so uh, i was just fortunate enough that this the curator um saw the work and was like yeah i knew who was this guy i just met him for the first i just met the the gallery owner and curator for the first time yesterday wow um, even after the show we didn't even get a chance to talk at the show um but yeah they just saw saw the work and they were like I want that. Find, find, find that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and to be featured though, which such amazing and powerful artists that are like really putting in the work right now, um, could probably tell you a lot about you know how much you've grown as an artist. What is um, the difference between the art practice of Will pre grad school versus Will post grad school? Uh, well, I think the art pre-grad school was I, I i'll i'll call it ignorant hmm. and why do you say that educated it wasn't uneducated it was an it was an intentional um it was an, it was intentional rebellion of of any history or knowledge of anybody that came before me um and that's ignorant <laughs> so but why do you why do you feel it was ignorant was it just a lack of I, I, knowledge or well because i think it's important to 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 study and you know if you desire if you desire to do art i think it's important to know what what art came before your stuff um, mm. even if you don't feel like you're influenced by anything or you don't want to be influenced by anybody i think it's important for you to know um, to know those names, to know those people who put in that work, to try to yeah. do this thing that's available for you to do now because of them. Um, so for me, it, it was like, uh, and I grew up, I grew up in Indiana. So, so for me, a lot of the artists that I was learning were all predominantly white. So of course I had a natural, I had a natural rejection of that information. Um, I didn't. I I didn't want to know. I stopped caring for for an amount for a certain you know for a certain amount of time. Um, but as I continued to kind of grow and learn, so moving, you know, I started to just kind of realize, hey, in order for myself to be in the spaces that I that I desire, 
I, I'm going to have to like really take a look at what I'm creating and how I'm creating it and, and level up. Yeah. So that's grad school is just like, you, you, you got to take it to, to the level that you want to see it at. Definitely. Um, so what is your creative creative process like? Um, what do you need in order to get in the groove of maybe coming up with your concepts or figuring out what you want to do? Right. So um, recently, my, my creative process is, is, has, has uh, become one that's like personal. So as long as I, I can find a moment to, um, you know, practice like inner, like that, doing that inner work. So I gotta, I need to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm staying consistent with, you know, taking care of my body, you know, watching what I'm eating. And, mm -hmm. A lot of times, even watching and sleeping, you know, watching and reading and listening to stuff on, you know, the radio or whatever. Um, but all of those, I say that because all of those things are important pieces of my practice now. Um, I I have to intentionally kind of like seek and like try try to get balance between some of those things. Um, but when I'm in the studio, I need some music. You know, I. If I'm in my studio like dancing, I need I need some room so I can you know, <laughs> I got room a little bit while I'm, while I'm in that space. <laughs> yeah. When I look at your most recent work, especially that which you started during your final years at MICA, I noticed that your subject matter is primarily focused on black men. And I know that you said that you're looking for things that are um, relative to your experience, but in doing that, do you feel any responsibility or obligation to tell narratives that focus on the diversity of blackness and black experience in reference to black men? Um, do, I, do I feel what now? <laughs> why, why is your subject mostly black male? Okay, okay, okay. Um, and that's, that's just purely, it's, that's the the easiest form of con connectivity to me. That's the thing that I know the most. Yeah. Um, being being or not. That's the thing that I I I I can't even say I know the most. You know, because like nobody truly knows everything about being a man. Mm. That's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that's that's primarily because that's that's the the narrative. That's where the narrative is coming from. It's coming from, um, from 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 a male's perspective, I guess, um, young black male perspective. Um, however, I do I do I don't only paint uh, men now. I just in the beginning I had to 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 kind of re learn how to how to um how to paint women mm. without and i had to make sure like intent was was clear and that objectivity is not a, a situation um yeah like just making sure like clearly and, and being able to clearly kind of talk about that making something uh about what it is versus you know what art history has done and made a lot of like paintings about you know women as objects 
So I stayed, I stayed away from you for a while. Yeah. To kind of like learn how to, you know, learn how to do that in my mind. Mm -hmm. Have you figured out what it is that you're trying to say in your work? Um, or is it just basically maybe just portraying things from observation? <laughs> yeah, um, a lot. Yeah. So what I'm more focused on now is, is experience, the experience of memories. Mm. Um, through through representation, of course. Uh, but I, I quick quick story, long story short. Um, Twenty nineteen, I lost my grandfather to dementia. Mm, so sorry while to hear that. pandemic while pandemic was happening, you know, I I began to try to process uh, that, and you know, other other like death. You know, started to like say, well, what happens? Dementia is is you know you forget. So what do we do with these memories? And if this if this is truly a hereditary uh, situation, what do I do with my memories? What what is what what will happen? Um, what will become of of my my understanding of of the way um, I existed in this world, right? Or even even the way that I've noticed other people existing, so I started digging in family archives, and and that's kind of how I you know started getting to where I where I am now. And um, I think with music, it kind of like adds a, a fusion because I'll, I'll like take the history, the family history, and you know through music, there's usually some type some type of um, university you know universal language being described in that music and a lot of times that that helps kind of inspire where i can kind of alter narratives within within um using images from from my family's archives and and i do that in a way to try to um connect to to other people mm -hmm. so knowing that certain certain images and things of, of culture are more more uh yeah those they're like uh, uh cultural connecting pieces like for instance the the illmatic or the poster on the back i know it's just you and your and and um but just seeing it right now it like totally gives me illmatic vibes like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um what kind of music do you listen to? What fuels your creativity? Everything, everything. I am in there listening to audiobooks. I'm in there listening to jazz. Mm. Um, like lo-fi has been like a, a good kind of like study work vibe. Um, you know, of course, like R&B and hip hop. But I'm taking it to the old school. We in funkadelics, you know, all the all the we listen, I listen to everything. That's good. When you look at how far you've come, would you have imagined that this would be the outcome? Yes and no. I always imagine myself doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think even in imagining yourself doing something, you never truly know how it feels until you until it happens. Mm -hmm. um, so even even with like the the success of the show so far um 
still it's it's cool, but I know like I I got a long way to go, you know. So it's like you you just be you you accept that, um. You know, you can take take your time on on patting yourself on the back, but don't forget you got to get back to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so take us back, because I want to know how you got into art. Like what? How? Right. <laughs> how did it happen? <laughs> the origin stories. Um. So as far as I can remember. Um, and I, I, I do tell this story all the time about uh, being like a kid trying to draw Batman and, you know, my grandmother helping me try to figure out how to draw Batman and, and kind of, you know, from that moment, it was like, all right, this is what I, I, I like this. Let me just do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was kind of actually how it happened. Um, and then, you know, my family, they just all saw that this was something that I was really interested in. And not only was I really interested in it, I was actually like really good at it. So I was, I've been very, very, very blessed and fortunate um, to have that experience because I, I know that that is not typical in, in many households, many African-American households, many American households. And I'm sure I know that many African households, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just fortunate that way. I hope I I feel like I might have went off on a tangent. No, that was it. That was it. Um, so I'm curious to learn your perspective on success. What does that mean to you? And do you consider yourself currently to be successful? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I do. I consider. I, I'll say that first. I definitely consider myself to be successful. Um. And I say that because I, I don't define set success as um, the amount of zeros or dollars that one may have in their, their bank account. That is a form of success, yes. Um, and that give, and if that, that form of success is also tied to a goal, which, you know, if that's one of your goals for success, perfect. Boom, go for that, get that bag. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I find success in the relationships that build with people. I find success um, in, in, you know, my own kind of like daily struggles and, you know, like, you know, anybody's like mental health, you know, and, and like personal health, find success in that. Um, because yo, I'm here, you know, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find success, yeah, just being able to um, kind of move and do some of the things that I've only, I've, I've always dreamed about. Um, so that's, that's like, it's crazy. Like this yeah. weekend being in New York, all the stuff that even happened around that show that I just ha I just happened to kind of just be around for, you know, that's, that's success. You know? Yeah. And generally, if you're doing the right thing or the things that you, you know, you enjoy, things come, you know, <laughs> it you comes. Like you if you like what you're doing, that's, yeah. that's, that's successful too. Absolutely. You found, you found something that, that provides you peace. Yep. 
So how did you get from Indiana to Washington, DC? I walked, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just decided I needed to leave. Um, coming from Indianapolis, uh, you, don't, you don't notice too many people who, you know, after like actually leaving, I do notice it now. But like before, you didn't really see a lot of folks, you know, um, going away and doing things. And I kind of felt, I just kind of felt stagnant there. I kind of felt stuck. Like, you know, my, my career wouldn't take any direction mm. if I stayed in that space where, you know, there aren't any, there aren't a lot of art shows and there aren't people coming to, you know, yeah, it's just not, it's not a lot. It's not as much going on. So to come out to the East Coast, I made a decision. I wrote out a list. Um, cause of course, you know, everybody always wants to go to New York. I had a friend who, who basically just opened up their doors and was like, Hey man, I got an apartment in Alexandria, Virginia. It's like mm -hmm. 20 minutes away from DC. Come out here and see what you can do. New, wow. York is, New York is three hours away versus nine. Dope. Come, come see what, come see what, what you can make happen. Um, and that was 2014 and I've been out here ever since. So when did the move happen from um, the DMV, not Baltimore, cause that's separate. <laughs> but... <laughs> Baltimore, Baltimore wrong. So how did you get to Baltimore? I made the, mis I'm, I made the mistake, cause I gotta say this publicly. <laughs> I made the mistake, I, I had a chance to be on new, on the news in New York. And I said, I said the T. Oh, oh. I said in Baltimore. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh, <laughs> shame on you. But <laughs> um, I came here for grad school, came here solely for grad school. Like, of course, you know, being in D.C. And it's funny, I just had this conversation just this past weekend, too. Being in D.C., they paint this picture of Baltimore that's like, don't go there. Like they will paint. They will paint that picture up, and you and you. If you're not from there, and you ain't never been to Baltimore, you'll believe that. You be like, "Oh God, this place that sounds." Mm -hmm. I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, but the adverse of that, Micah, the Maryland Institute College of Art, has one of the top three grad, top four graduate programs in the nation for painting which was something that i was you know trying to get into I was, and i was really really lucky and fortunate and you know i think god just thought fit for me to get for me to be accepted into that program um and it's not it's nowhere near as, it is what people say i won't i won't lie and say that but it's nowhere near as bad as what they it's, it's nowhere near the picture that they painted of this place and I, I can publicly say that that's unfair. Mm -hmm. Alabama's just leaving up here. That, yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Alabama's need to get up here and they need to get down there. I don't know what they call it. What y'all call them up here? Oh, I don't know. know. <laughs> I was say, we ain't going to say that anyway. But um, I don't know. I just feel like they, I feel like those areas maybe just didn't mess with each other because, like, you know, transportation. No, you don't go down there. You don't know what's down there. You don't understand. Yeah. So you just make up stories. 
So you just make up stories and, you know, I, and I understand too, locally, like, you know, just growing up as a kid, it's always like territory. And of course. Contest and yeah. Yada, yada, yada. But um, Baltimore is a beautiful, beautiful city. There's so much, so much to offer here. Um, I, I ain't want to believe it until, until I've been here for five, going on six years. Wow, it's been that long? It's a long time. Uh, I, I was trying to run away. I was trying to run away. <laughs> so as far as your um, art goes, or just like your artwork in general, um, which artists inspire you or have made a huge impact in the type of work that you create? Um, that's it. A lot, a lot of artists. Um, if I could speak specifically, and I will probably to the day I die say this lady's name, Amy Sherrill. Oh yeah. Um, one, you know, uh, I'm really, really fortunate enough to like get to know her just a bit while I was in grad school. Um, so getting to meet her and just looking at her work, seeing some of her stuff in person, um, that that was kind of life-changing, a life-changing change, experience. Um, uh, another artist from Baltimore who I, I really, really admire his work, uh, his name is Ernest, Ernest Shaw. I've heard of um, Ernest Shaw, yes. I'm familiar with his work. That guy, you know, you know uh, very, I've been fortunate enough to meet him as well. Mm. Um, and I found out also he's a member of Five Eight Sigma Fraternity, which is my okay. Which was like you know like a really really cool connecting piece when you meet like an artist who's like kind of one of your favorite artists. Mm. So that's kind of that's been kind of dope, um, and it's been really cool to build uh, a relationship there with him. Um, I can go on, you know, Kerry James Marshall. I can name you know um, if I'm thinking of, of the dead white guys that I. Enjoy because they they on the list too. Like, uh, an artist by the name of like Neil Rausch, he's like a German expressionist painter. I haven't heard of Neil Rausch. Should put that on my list. Yeah, Check it's, out. It's mind blowing, really. Um, who else? Who else do I really enjoy? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, a lot of people. Matisse. I'm a big Matisse fan. Um, even though his life is problematic, a Picasso fan, um, it, like I'm like middle Picasso, like I had to look up the dates, like him like transitioning away from like figurative most, yeah, his like kind of in between phase of like that figurative stuff when he was kind of painting these faces, but they stopped looking like real people. Yeah. And I'm like, looking like African masks. I was kind of, I'm really kind of into like that, that transition mm. of his work. Um, and I, I really enjoy a lot of um, abstract painters too. Um, and you can't, I enjoy a lot of abstract painters too. Okay. Um, like Clifford Steele and Ed Clark, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Joan Mitchell. Joan. Black Velvet is proud to sponsor Creative Habits Podcast. 
Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products. Handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet. I love her stuff too. Nice. So, variety. Yeah. Um, what does never stop dreaming mean to you? Because I see that a lot. <laughs> you yeah, post yeah, that yeah. a lot. You yeah, ask some good questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you familiar with Langston Hughes' poem, uh, Dream Deferred? Yes. What happens to a dream mm-hmm. defers? Right. He never found out. Yeah. He never found out. Mm-mm. And the reason he never found out because you know he never stopped he never stopped dreaming he never stopped um seeking that in which you know has always been um in his mind like something that he's just wanted to attain even even uh, even in you know when you reach one goal we kind of fulfill one dream you know you ought to have other things to dream dream about um so it's, it's like, for me, it's like when you reach one thing, um, great, you've, 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 you've met that success. Now continue to go for the next thing and the next mm. thing and the next thing. So never, never stop. Um, and then on, on the adverse, like understanding that some of the stuff that people want to do is, is, is not always promised and, and guaranteed for everyone. You know, being, a, yeah. being an artist, there's, there's um, only like, You can have a very lucrative and, and successful career. Um, very luc- I'll say lucrative because we defined success a little earlier. But you can have a very lucrative career as an artist, um, but maybe one of your ideas of success might be gallery representation, museum, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Um, you know, and even understanding like that doesn't happen for everybody. But if you keep, if you keep. If you like really, really want that, and you keep like striving towards that, the only way you'll find out is if you never give up. Because you either because it's either one, it's either going to happen, or you're going to die before it happens. Yeah, like a raisin in the sun. (laughs) I would much, I would much rather, I would much rather just never find out. Yeah, I I would much rather never find out if I ever quit up on my dreams. Mm. I like that. Thanks for uh, explaining. <laughs> no, no problem. No, one, no one's actually cared enough to ask me that. Yeah, that's dope though. That's really dope explanation. <laughs> but it's, it's funny because- no ever, never- Ever said ever anything. <laughs> it's also funny because um, basically with that description, you did define success. Like it's always a constant. 
just because you've accomplished one goal, it doesn't mean that all of your goals are finished, you know, or complete. Yeah. You have to keep, you know, the cycle yeah. going. Yeah. Um, so I love seeing how far you've come as a creative. You've had experience not only in teaching art, but also studying art simultaneously. How has your experience as an art educator inspired or motivated you in your personal practice? Um, a lot right now because um, <laughs> I think I think the kids just kind of like feed into to whatever like small artist ego that that exists because <laughs> they just think everything that you do is amazing. Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes the art world can be like, ah, that's 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 trash. Um, so like, you know, they, they help, they have helped kind of keep me motivated because they're eyes. There's somebody who, um, who's after me looking ahead to see like, okay, this guy had something that he believed in, which was completely different than like my, what my mom and dad told me was possible. Right. Um, maybe I could something maybe but maybe i want to you know create whatever you know so it's really uh it's it's a twofold i learned from them and i hope that they're just inspired by seeing me um you know try to try to like do what i'm doing on the side yeah i'm sure they are i think, I think some of them even i think some of them even understand like you know at a certain point you know they make it to a certain level where i might not be able to do that um, and I think those are the students who really, really kind of like are, uh, you know, kind of really trying to soak in everything. And they, you know, yeah, they, they help me because like, you know, they're just motivated, they're, they, they're motivation. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. As a former educator, I could definitely like relate to that because kids are so honest. Like you can, you, you know, you can feel the anxiety and the nervousness of like showing your work to a gallery representative or just in that scene. But once you're like in a classroom of kids and you show them your work, like they're super honest about, you know, the things that you create, but also maybe share things that you didn't even see in your own work from their eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're well versed in traditional mediums such as drawing and painting. Is there any medium that you haven't worked with that you'd like to try? Um, I, I used to do some like hand building in, in high school. Um, I apologize if my internet's being weird. That's okay. It's a, a very slow lag, but it's not that bad. Did you hear okay. me? Oh yeah. Yeah, in high school I used to do, yeah, in high school I used to do, um, like hand building with clay. Um, so that's something that I think one one of these days I, I would love to eventually kind of get myself back into is, is thinking um, is is also thinking in three dimensional forms. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see that actually, <laughs> like what you could do with three D three D things. Right. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea what I would even make. It'd probably start off completely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. At this stage well, of your career. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead, finish. Okay. I was going to say, like, my, I don't know what it would look like. Um, because, like, really, I, I, in my mind, sometimes I'm like a 50 50 split abstract mm -hmm. and, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
At this stage of your creative exploration, are you still accepting commissions that are outside of your personal practice? No. What are your feelings on commissions? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what are your feelings on commissions? Um, I was just having a conversation with a, another artist earlier about how we despise commissions only because they're challenging or there's a fear um, behind trying to make something that someone can appreciate. But also on the other hand, it takes away our own personal practice or like our own goals for that thing to focus on, you know, making a quick buck to provide services. Right, right. Um, well, the, the last, I don't, I don't, I don't really try to do commissions too much um, because I don't, I, I don't want, I want my work to still have a, a cohesive flow across like whoever gets it. Um, so sometimes, you know, sometimes as an artist, you might have to make that, you know, quick, cheap painting just to, you know, pay your bills or whatever. And I think in the beginning that that's okay. Um, but once you try to, once you get past a certain level, um, and I only say that once you get past a certain level, it means like, you got to be kind of like humble. Like I've, I've met some like pretty arrogant artists who will probably kind of create a glass ceiling for themselves because you have to be humble. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it kind of goes on with, based on, you know, if you're selling a lot of works and you can, you know, you can play with your prices and bump them up a little bit, but, you know, don't, don't be too modest, but like, you know, don't barely have a high school diploma and expect you're going to sell a painting for $30,000 tomorrow. Right. Like that's not, not going to work that way. Um, even if even if it's like a really really dope painting, it probably won't work that way. Mm -hmm. Unless you just like a the busy of uh, your generation in the art world, but, <laughs> you know, take your time and pay pay your dues really, um, and, and learn learn the game because it is a game really. Yeah, I don't know if I answered that question. No, you did. Um, and I was about I to say, <laughs> I was about to say. I mean, I. I said that about commissions in the most humbling way because it's almost oh. like being a musician. You know how like musicians will play so many covers, but in order to establish your signature style yeah. or like what you want to say to the world, you have to at some point show people or like, and, you know, yeah. Go ahead. You also got to protect your art. You also got to protect your art. Um, you protect yourself and you, your art too because. Um, Again, when you, when you at different level, depending on what level of success you're trying to reach, um, for me, I'm I'm thinking like, and yes, homes, but galleries, museums, international, right? We start thinking that way. Um, one, other people are going to be involved. Other business, you're going to be paying somebody. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but also, also, yeah, protecting your, 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 your work, because like, say you make, and I'm gonna just throw like numbers out for quick math. 
right? Say you make a painting and you sell it for a hundred dollars, right? You just sell it. You make you made um, the painting of this dollar, right? Boom. This is a really nice painting. It looks great. You sell it for a hundred dollars. Five years from then, you know, you paint. You get this. This size has went. But now you're painting giant dollar signs, dollars, dollar bills, in the same way you painted that little one. That little, that giant painting now could be worth a lot more. But because you painted that little one for $100 and say that large painting for $100,000, little bitty painting, they could say, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to throw this in the auction and see what happens. That painting jumps into an auction and it goes $100 to $10,000. Mm-hmm. How much money do you have in your pocket? Exactly. None of it. <laughs> None of that. So yeah. It's all protecting. It's all just protecting yourself while you while you're still in that game. But if that's your lane, if that's your lane, that's how you make your bread. That's your goal. You want to you wanna do that. Do that because it's lucrative and it's beneficial. It's all, it's all everybody can win in the art world. Say that one more time. There was a lag. The last sentence you just oh, said. Oh, it was good too. I said, yeah, I know. See, Everybody can win in the art world. It's just depending on, you know, how you how you choose to, how you want to win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so how do you cultivate a collector base? Oh, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, just I guess over the years observing oh, over the years <laughs> observing you though, like I feel like not only just specifically you know, kind of delving down into collector base, but you've been able to, you know, reach a curator that wanted you to be in his show. So like, what what do you think has been beneficial for you as an artist to get that type of fostering, recognition? Fostering relationships, one, that's not the main part. The main thing has just been being um, dedicated to what you do. Hmm. Like, I feel like if, um, almost like almost like training in a sport, sport, right? Um, that the the team who wins the championship worked hard for that championship, um, and then kind of like jumping back, say you know there's a star player on that team. For that star player, they had to put in a lot of work, and then they had to meet the right people. They had to be around the right circle. Um, so I've just been fortunate enough that God has just placed me around the right people um, in in the season of like me, just my nose down to the ground and I'm grinding. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's what happens. I ain't, nothing, ain't nothing like too, too crazy or too major happening yet, but... It's, just, it's a blessing that people are, are paying attention. Love that. So you've spent some time uh, abroad for a residency. What was that experience like and where did you go? 
Yeah, it was um, it was actually uh, I I actually have yet to have the experience of, of um, doing any artist artist residencies. Um, but it was it was a study abroad trip to Venice, Italy. We were there for three weeks studying the Venice Biennale. Mm. Um, and for and the Bien, the Venice Biennale is Italy's or it, it's it's yeah, it's pretty much like the Olympics for art, if I mm-hmm. can just put it simply like that. It's like every, you know, this the the countries around the world, um, you know, pool and and you know, highlight and select, um and yeah, and celebrate, you know, certain artists from from their their countries. Um, at this at this at this huge art fair. Uh, or this huge art exhibition. I don't. I won't call it a fair because I don't know. I don't know what type of business stuff is happening in, in behind the scenes. That, mm-hmm. that. Um, but man, it was it was like a crazy, crazy experience because I got a chance to see a lot of, a lot of, a lot of like. You got the. I got a chance to see artwork at. At maybe it's like highest level because, like I said, it's like. They say it's like the Olympics, so I got to see like all forms, like all forms, performance, mm-hmm. um, video, sculpture, like anything you could think of. I got to see all of that at at this what is um, kind of institutionally known as like the highest form of, of you know celebratory art, you know something for artists, right? And then also in that same year. Uh, I got a chance to meet Mark Bradford. Oh wow! Who who represented the the United States during that year? And and you know, for anybody who doesn't know who Mark Bradford is, like you know, hearing this, you should probably look him up. He's like a six seven dude from like from L.A. Like you would think he hoop, but he's like the kindest, <laughs> most gentlest, like sweetest guy I've, I've like really ever met. His man didn't know me from from John, but like. We took a picture together and that picture made, you know, you're looking at that picture, you think I knew this guy and we would key in about some, some stuff that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we remembered from like when I was five or something, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it, that was, it was a great experience. I got to learn, I had, I had a chance to learn a lot. I got a chance to see, um, our contemporary, like new artwork from around the world mm-hmm. not like the boring stuff that's sitting in the museum for 30 years um but like you know people who are you and you know our peers people who are from where we're from um our our age our age group um and maybe even you know beyond mm-hmm. but still our contemporaries and, and and see them in that light and it was cool to just interact with Italian people and people from all over the world too. That was, that's an experience. <laughs> you learn any Italian words? A little. I've since <laughs> forgot because I, I haven't really used much Italian since. But, you know, ciao, cafe americano was <laughs> like daily. Cafe di americana and un brioche was my breakfast. <laughs> so we're coming up to um our last few questions 
Um, one of them is, have there been any lessons you've learned as an artist that have helped you navigate life just in general? Um, be unapologetically yourself. Mm. That's something that I'm, I'm still learning, um, but that is like the most recent kind of lesson that I've, I've like notice, noticeably embraced. You know, you knew, I think you knew me when I had my long hair. I, I did, it, I and sure I, did. I joke, I joke and say, you know, when I cut my hair, it's almost like I forgot who I was. Oh, shame. So you had to grow, the, grow them back so you can grow back into who you were. Metaphorically, I understood that as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And so metaphorically, I, you know, I joke with friends, oh, you know, I, I, I'm growing my hair back. Mm-hmm. I'm about to be unapologetically Will Watson, the artist. That's, that's yeah, <laughs> quite funny. It's quite funny how we go through phases, especially, you know, as artists and being so vulnerable with our personal work, because um, I had the same phase, like, you know, this is my third set of locks, and this is the most that I feel comfortable. So <laughs> um, what would... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I decided I'm going to keep that in my personal collection for a little bit longer. Mm hmm. Just just keep holding on to it. You never know what could happen. You know, you might take off soon. When it's right. I'm <laughs> sell that one when it's right oh yeah yeah i i, I yeah i want i want to sell that piece i don't want to i don't want to have like a gallery on it i feel you i feel you that's like still one of my favorite pieces to this day yeah it was cool yeah uh, it's cool <laughs> um so what would your ideal opportunity be as an artist um my ideal opportunity would be to be a featured artist at the Venice Biennale. Hello. <laughs> Not going to see, but being I, in the actual show. I, I joked and said, yo, if I was to ever be so lucky, that little American pavilion is going to be the blackest space that Venice has ever seen. I, I said, I said, hell, I might, we might even do the cha-cha. Cha cha slide. Cha -cha slide, you got to. I'm gonna have like a church bell <laughs> that sounds every, you know, at certain times of the day, and that church bell sound doesn't mean everybody line up and do the cha cha slide. You got to, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> That's being completely facetious. And, and <laughs> so, <laughs> final question, and then we'll go straight into the game. How can we support your artistic journey and follow you as a, your career as an artist? You gotta follow me on the gram, no, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, um, my website is willwatsonart.com. Um, my Instagram is will underscore the artist. And I think that is the name across all social media platforms. Uh, uh, well, that's it. You gave it yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. Go to my website. I got stuff on there. I got stuff on there for sale. Like awesome. People who be listening, you won't be able to get the shirt. But oh no, we got a YouTube channel. We got a YouTube channel. You'll be on YouTube. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, I'm gonna stand up so you can see the back, but it's something on the back. It's my <laughs> um, but 
yeah, you know, I, I, what I about that is, you know, it's all me. That's all my, you know, what, what items that are on that website are, are items that, um, you know, it's me. I'll get to <laughs> it's funny because like you know I, I have to pay certain people now for certain things um, you are real you are real artist now no no just, <laughs> it's, I, I equated to just being a business owner. Mm, I like that all right so and to really like you know kind of see be on time schedule I gotta got Go ahead, finish your sentence. Finish your sentence because um there's like a lag. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so the final game, I mean the game that we're gonna play is called this or that. And you oh. have to choose one or the other. Oh my goodness. Um, so we'll play this game and then <laughs> we'll finish the interview. Uh Njideka Akunyuli or Toya no Dutola. Oh my God, that's tough. I'm only going to say Njadeka because we met while I was at Micah. I was, mm -hmm. she did a talk and I, I had to like go stand in that long line and just be like, hey, I'm such a fan. Oh my gosh, can you please take a picture with me? So yeah, her. <laughs> Wangechi Mutu or Kara Walker? Wangechi Mutu. But that's tough too because Kara has like, the most inspiring work 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 ethic um yeah like she, and she's just she she understands her material and her message and and how they both relate to each other um and that's what i admire about kara walker so much but visually why, why would you imagine for sure okay i got a tough one for you ready Amy Sherald or Tim Okamura? Amy. <laughs> Hands down, Amy. No, no shade, no shade to Tim. I didn't, I didn't we were he and I were supposed to connect this weekend, but didn't. Um, but that's my fault, not his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Um, Jacob Lawrence or Louis Miley Jones. Why do this? Jacob. Um, and aesthetics, I, I, you know, aesthetically, I, I look at him and, and William H. Johnson a lot sometimes mm -hmm. for this. Stuff. And, and I say I look at them for reimagining the black view. Like they, they didn't also, you know, stick to a European, um, Western Canada representation. So, yeah. Sorry, I got one more. Emery Douglas or Basquiat? I'm going to go with Emery Douglas, to be honest. Definitely got to go with Emery Douglas on that one. You know, All right. Um, Basquiat was the only like, Black artist I like learned about growing up. So like he he would he would normally win by default, um, but in discovering who Emory Douglas was and what he meant to um, black people, mm -hmm. you know, and I think if people 
people should just look him up. I ain't even gonna spoil it. You should look up Emory Douglas if you don't know who he is, because I promise you he is important to the culture. Phil, it's, um, Will, it has been such a wonderful time speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, all the best to you, never stop dreaming. I wish I wish this could have been in person. Honestly, yeah. I, miss, I miss both of y'all. You and Phil. Yeah, I haven't seen you, and I don't, I don't even know how he has the baby. Huh? The baby sleep. He knocked out, but he is so he's so oh, good. He's good. growing, <laughs> looking like his daddy. Yeah, it's it's different, but you know, you know? I, it's it's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take care. What's up, beautiful people? I hope you liked today's episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. A rebirth out of spiritual adversity causes us to become new creatures. James East Foss. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and have a good day, people. Peace.